You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm through. But if you step out that door, you are an Avenger. I am Iron Man. No strings on me. I'm always angry. Sweet Christmas. Oh, Mama, I come to bargain. Bitch, bitch. I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. I hope they remember you. I am Spider-Man. He's a friend from work. You're listening to Geek Positive, the only podcast to wield the power of cosmic. I'm Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Games. So, Greg, uh, what are we talking about today? I don't know. No, I don't know. We're doing the MCU, right? Yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's hard to believe that there's a time when the Marvel the MCU did exist, but such a time did exist. It's been only 10 years that we've had this interconnected Marvel Universe. It's been longer than 10 years now. Well, I think it's like 11 or 12 now. Oh, Iron Man was 2008. Okay, so it's... Oh. I don't know. The last two years have been a blur. Yeah. For for reasons. Yeah, there wasn't really too much. Oh, actually, you know what? We did get new MCU stuff last the past year, just yeah. not the way we're used to. Yeah, we got WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But before, let's, let's, let's start before the beginning. There was a time when, actually, DC was considered to be the reigning champion of comic book movies, and that was just by default of the fact that they had four Superman movies that gradually decreased in quality, and then they had four Batman movies that gradually decreased in quality. And Marvel spent most of the 80s and 90s struggling to get anything made. Yeah, well, Marvel had Howard the Duck. Yeah, that's... We don't talk about that. Oh, <laughs> yes, just, we do. That's just Howard the... No. Yeah, to think that that was the first major big Marvel movie is just kind of sad. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's wild, and it's single-handedly responsible for Pixar's existence. Oh, yeah, because um, it's, it's really hard to believe that George Lucas was involved with that. But then, wasn't yeah. it that Lucasfilm had to sell off Pixar because of all the money that they lost or something? Yeah, they, uh, George Lucas created this like digital animation thing that he hadn't really played around with much yet, which would be Pixar, and they lost so much money on Howard the Duck, he sold it, and that became Pixar that we all know and love. Yeah, but then everything came full circle, and Disney bought Lucasfilm. <laughs> and yeah. Marvel. And Marvel, so... <laughs> yes. Giant corporations, yay. Yeah. And Marvel movies before the MCU were kind of hit and miss, because basically what happened was, in the 90s, Marvel Com- Marvel Comics declared bankruptcy so they were basically selling their shit off to anybody that was interested just so they could stay afloat so and only a few of them actually went anywhere because i mean sony bought the film rights to spider-man 20th century fox had x-men daredevil and fantastic four and i don't think a lot of people realized um the rights to like captain america and iron man and all the other avengers actually did get sold off to various other companies, just those companies didn't do anything with them, and eventually Marvel got the rights back. Yeah, if you don't do something with it for so long, eventually the rights will revert back. Yeah. Uh, you're leaving out that Universal got Man-Thing. Oh yeah, I forgot. I Actually, I don't think I knew about that. 
Yeah, like, there was... It's funny when you look at what actually got made into things. Obviously, Spider-Man, X-Men. Those are your big ones, Fantastic Four. But then you had Punisher, Daredevil, Man-Thing, Hulk, and... Am I missing anything? I don't think so. Uh, I think Punisher... Electra. Oh, Electra, yeah. That, that, well, that Electra and Daredevil both went to 20th Century Fox. Punisher, wasn't that like Lionsgate or some small company like that? I think so. My eyes are not good enough. I can see it on my movie shelf. I can't see what company it is. And like, I think at some point, if anyone remembers, there was a company called, I think, Artisan Entertainment. Do you remember yeah. them? I think they had the Captain America rights at one point, but they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. So it was it was a really scattershot as to, you know, Marvel could have really just screwed themselves out of doing the cinematic universe because of all of these rates that they sold off, but half of them didn't go anywhere. Well, there was no example for a cinematic universe. Interconnected movies that aren't just sequels to themselves. There was no concept of such a thing, so of course they wouldn't be worried about it. I mean, well, Kevin Smith did it, but... Yeah, but let's be honest, nothing to this scale. Yeah, yeah, there was never... I mean, DC hinted at it because they made references to Superman things in their Batman movies, but it, it never went anywhere. Yeah. But then this all is, you know, leading up to the first entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man. Yeah, uh, do, did you see Iron Man in theaters? Yes, I did. I think probably at least twice. I saw it once, but that's it. And I think we touched on this in a previous episode. Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie, is a movie that shouldn't work, but it did because a large chunk of it is just him building the suit, which shouldn't be that interesting, but for some reason, it is. Yeah, it works really well, because also, we know what happens to him, like, a little bit. Like, they film it in a not-sequential order for the first part of it so it keeps you engaged because you know what you're getting to yeah and i don't know how we're gonna i don't know if we're gonna cover every movie in this cinematic universe because there's like 20 something of them but we're gonna try to hit the uh i think the main points of it i took off work today because i thought we were covering every movie and releasing a four-hour episode maxwell are you <laughs> telling me we are not doing so if we do a four-hour episode everyone's gonna leave after the second no, hour i took i took off because i got my microchip yesterday so i, uh, I took yes. off today uh, Greg is now horny for Microsoft. Yeah, uh, Bill Gates can point me whatever direction he wants. Yes. Uh, okay, so first Iron Man. Uh, a very grounded movie. It's Really, if you watched the first Iron Man, and then you watch in, like, Infinity War or Endgame, you'll be like, how the fuck did we get here? But Yeah, so honestly, I think the one that ties it most is Thor. Once we hit Thor, it does. Thor introduces the more fantasy sci-fi aspect to it yeah we get to the cosmic like craziness there yes but the, the first iron man great movie i'd say one of one of the best marvel movies would you agree i would I, when i make my list occasionally i don't know why leave me alone people i have no life of my top mcu movies iron man is always in that top 10 at least usually top five depending on my mood that time yeah it's, it's hard to pick and choose. Like I said, it varies on mood and whatever. It's incredible. Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. nailed that character to the point. I can't... A lot of people say this about a lot of different actors, but it's really hard for me to picture anyone being Tony Stark besides Robert Downey Jr. He embodied that character so well. So much so that they pretty much... Well, 
spoilers, they killed him off, so we're not seeing him anymore, most likely. Yeah, it's going to be weird. What else do we want to say about Iron Man? I don't know. Um, it, like I think you covered everything important we need to say yeah. about it. Like launched it, still pretty grounded in reality, et cetera, et cetera. Not really any ties to anything else. You get a brief mention of Shield. Yeah, that's and, about the most tying to anything else. Am I correct? And the end credit sequence with Nick Fury in the the Avengers Initiative, which at yeah. the, which at the time you have to wonder was that setting it up or was like, hey, let's throw that in there just for fun, and then. So it ended up taking off. No, they they had a plan from the get go. They were planning it. Um, I remember there was a newspaper article, back or magazine article. I don't know. I read it in print somewhere. Marvel turns to their B team of heroes due to not having the rights to oh, you know yeah. their A players, and it was talking about how they wanted to make a connected movies between. They didn't use the term cinematic universe yet. It didn't the lexicon, but like talking about Iron Man and Captain America and stuff like that. Yeah, I forgot about that. There was a time when the Avengers were considered, like, B and C-list characters because in the 90s and early 2000s, it was all about X-Men and Spider-Man in the comics. Exactly. And people nowadays, you think you think Marvel, you think Iron Man. But moving along, uh, the next footnote, I'd say, in the MCU was the Incredible Hulk movie, which seems to be largely passed over nowadays. Largely forgotten, yes, which is a shame because I thought it was brilliant. I think the one of the big reasons is, look, by the way, Disney didn't do the buyout yet. That's important. Yeah, that ha- that didn't happen until, I think, was it after the first Avengers movie, somewhere thereabout? The, fir- the first Avengers movie was the first Disney bought, yeah. purchased one. But that, that was still, though, when Paramount was still getting their credit in front of the movie, so that was part of the deal. Yeah, because... Hulk was actually released by Universal, but they played nice and everything with Paramount at the time. The only deal was any solo Hulk movies had to go through Universal, which I believe still holds today. Yeah, which I don't know. Does that stem from the TV series back in like the 70s? Because I think that they make that. I think it stems from the Hulk movie, not the Incredible Hulk movie. I don't know. I just I've always wondered why they had they still have those rights, even though they're not making any movies with him. Yeah, I'm not sure how it goes. Yeah, who knows? But, um, yeah, I remember seeing Incredible Hulk in theaters, and I really enjoyed it, because I've always been a huge fan of Hulk. Like, yeah. he's been one of my favorites for a long time. I thought the movie was great, and then Edward Norton had to get all artsy-fartsy, yeah. I want creative control bullshit, and I think that's why it's largely forgotten, because yeah. it's a different lead actor and everything. And they've, they've brought some elements of it into the other movies, like, um... Uh, General Ross has been has showed up a few times. I'd say that's it. Yeah. Oh. Um. In the first Avengers, the Mark Ruffalo Bruce Banner mentioned something about you know last time I was in Harlem, I kind of broke Harlem. In New York, I kind of broke. Yeah, I remember yeah. that, but I didn't know if we counted that because of yeah. course they're going to reference. Yeah, there's a movie if you want the background. And then they completely dropped. Um, Betsy Ross was that her name? Yeah. Yeah, they completely just dropped her, and then they went in the um, Bruce Banner-Natasha romance. Not a fan. Not a fan of the, the Bruce Banner and Natasha? Yeah, I don't ship Banner-Romanoff. I'm not, not a big one on that. I thought it was alright, but it was never really something I was invested in. It, it just appeared, like, oh, hey, Out this is a thing now. Accept yeah, it. Pretty much. And then... uh after the Incredible Hulk, I think we get to Iron Man 2. 
Yep. Um, Which, the only one I didn't wait. One of the only three that I didn't see in theaters. Really? I saw it when it came out on DVD. I liked Iron Man a lot. I just didn't get around to it. I wasn't going to the movies like religiously like I have for the past ten years or so. Yes, sir. So you said there's three Marvel movies you haven't MCU movies you haven't seen in the theaters. Yeah, they're all Phase One as well. Okay, we'll we'll get to them as they arrive. But Iron Man Two tends to be um, how would I put this? The redheaded stepchild of the MCU. It gets a lot of a lot of shit, and I think some of it's not fair. I think Iron Man Two is actually a decent movie. It just suffers a little bit from doing too much to set up other movies, which will happen again with a few other Marvel movies. But I think well, look, Iron- it's the first time anyone's done this. I yeah. can cut him a break, but I won't lie and say it didn't hurt the film. No one has done. A full cinematic universe, really. I, yes, Kevin Smith, we know. And a yeah. few other little things like that, but to this scale before. So, you need something like that. They just went too in with it, I think. Yeah. There's growing pains, I guess, for the MCU. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in Phase 1 and Phase 2, actually. But, I mean, I will always defend the ending of Iron Man 2 with the with Iron Man and War Machine fighting the army of robots i think it's just i love that whole sequence oh i love it i think it's great this isn't my least favorite mcu movie at all yeah yeah. it's like if you want to watch robots fighting each other watch iron man 2 last half hour not one of the transformers movies yeah well iron man's not a robot nor is war machine but the rest yes well yeah they're fighting drones and then uh you have mickey rourke as uh uh, what's Whiplash. What's it, what's his real name? Anton. Oh, I don't know. All right. Who? He wants his bird. He, I want my bird. It's like I don't speak Russian, which I think Mickey Rourke did a good job in it. But he, um, apparently, they cut out a lot of his character's backstory, and lately he's been kind of bashing Marvel movies, which seems to be in fashion for people that either haven't been offered a Marvel movie or have been felt cheated on their Marvel roles, but whatever, fuck them. Yeah, anytime your movie goes up against an MCU movie, within three months that person hates the MCU. I still remember, I don't know where this came from, of all people, Jennifer Aniston in an interview said, oh, I don't want to do a Marvel movie, and it's like, well, who the fuck asked you to be in a Marvel movie? (laughs) Go (laughs) do your friends reunion. Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't even come back for the new Leprechaun movie, so fuck her. <laughs> I forgot she was a Leprechaun. Yeah, that was her first big role, which yeah. is insane. It was Leprechaun. <laughs> oh. So yeah, that's Iron Man 2 in a nutshell. Move on, what, we hit Thor next, am I correct? I think so, Thor. Another one, which... And phase 1 features a lot of... How would I put it? Uh serviceable origin movies. They're good movies, but they're not, like, blow your mind, but they they establish the characters. That's The first Thor movie and the first Captain America movie are those kinds of movies. I think Thor, the first one, still is really holding on to that 2000 superhero movie formula a little bit, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but definitely more similar than some of the other entries How in the so? MCU. I just feel like a lot of the super long origin, meet these characters, like, put them together, like, we don't believe you, get your powers at the very end, one fight, the end. Hmm. I guess, yeah. I you know what I mean? Yeah, Similar I to, um, 
Daredevil or Punisher or any of those. Like it, not in a bad way. I'm not saying because Venom. I also not MCU. I know, but also was a throwback to those. If you ask me, and I enjoyed yeah. it. But I do get a lot of those vibes from the first Thor movie. Well, Venom's kind of MCU adjacent because we're Sony's trying to figure out how to do their little Spider-Man movies within the context of the MCU. Yeah. But yeah, Thor, and also very important. Thor, the first Thor movie establishes arguably, arguably the best and one of the best villains in the franchise. Loki. Loki. Well, okay. villain, villain character. He goes back and forth, but it gives us Loki, which he becomes a major presence in the MCU. Oh yeah, uh, to the point. I think next week the series starts, and I can't wait. Yes, or this is actually very timely. By the time this episode's come out, we'll be on the um, the brink of the premiere of Loki. That's um, on the ninth, right? It's a next Wednesday. Yeah, they they, they, are recording this. So when this drops in two days from now, so make sure you watch Loki. Because yeah, we we don't have a deal. I wish we had an ad deal. They should. We talk about this shit all the time. Yeah, we we're promoting this crap. We need some money. Yeah. I know you're listening, uh, executives at Disney, because you. I know you listen to this show. I've established that many times. So, hey, watch Loki. Give us money. Okay. Also, not only does it establish Loki, something I want to point out with Thor is, even though they're doing this interconnected universe here, I still don't think they had all the confidence on how far it would go. Because they throw a lot of Easter eggs for things that will come up later that they need to rewrite. Fuck, we already put it as an Easter egg, like the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. Was it the first Thor that had the Infinity Gauntlet in it? Yeah, in um, Odin's treasure room. Oh, okay. You see it down there. And they're like, oh shit, we never thought we'd actually get to Thanos, I don't think. Pretty and much, like, yeah. Crap, so in Ragnarok, they wrote that quick one-off line of Hela going fake and pushing it over. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. there's definitely... They weren't sure what... They weren't 100% certain that this was going to work. Look, I, I have nothing... I can't say any of these are bad movies, but yeah. I'll point out the growing pains and things that they all like didn't quite hit right. I think the CGI in Thor is terrible. Uh, it's been so long since I actually watched it, I don't remember. Oh, it's bad, especially like the stuff like going to Odin's vault and stuff like that, like things appearing. I think the CGI is pretty awful in this movie. Yeah, I, I really don't rec- have any recollection. I remember um, the big metal guy he fights in the desert looked pretty cool. Yeah. The Destroyer. Yeah. And then uh, after Thor, we get to, I believe, Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes, we do. Oh, by the way, this and Thor were the other two that did not see in theaters. Uh, Okay, so wait. So Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, the first one you did not see in theaters. Yeah, every other entry I have seen in theaters. Yeah, I've seen all of them in theaters, so I'm better. Not counting the Disney Plus series, because no one saw those in theaters. I've seen them all in theaters. I'm better than you. I know. Okay, so Captain America the First Avenger. That often gets lumped into the, you know, serviceable origin movies, but I actually really like the first Captain America movie, and I think it doesn't get the recognition that I believe it deserves. Oh, I'm with you. One... I love superhero movies. You know that. Yeah. I also love World you, War II movies. You love superhero movies? So when you movies? put those together, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. Like, you have a Marvel character fighting Nazis and shit. I'm, okay, yeah. I'm all in for this. I think I just liked uh, that one, because that was the one that was directed by, what's his name, Joe Johnson? 
I'm not sure. It's the guy that directed The Rocketeer, and whenever they announced that, I'm like, he's the perfect fit for this movie, because The Rocketeer was another, like, World War II-style movie, and he had the perfect visual style to do that kind of, like, retro-ish, you know, 1940s-style, you know, war movie. So just the, the look and the feel of the movie, I just thought were, was great, and I just, like I said, I don't think people appreciate it as much as they should. Yeah, it definitely does. When you look at the next two in entries into the Captain America franchise, I'm not saying it's right, but I get it. Because you have the Winter Soldier, which, although I can't say my favorite, I can't deny the best entry into the MCU, if you ask me, is the Winter Soldier as far as a film-like perspective. I think the Winter Soldier is fantastic and a damn near perfect movie. And then Civil War was great, too. So when you put first avenger up against those two i get why it's always lumped into oh yeah that one yeah and it it is still strange to me that after the first captain america movie winter soldier and civil war the probably the best captain america movies involve captain america being a fugitive yeah even comics that's always been a huge thing like because captain america although he fights for what's right like in America, you could say not to sound all raw, raw, cheesy here. It doesn't always mean he's on the right side of the law. I always thought that was a cool twist that they give the character. Yeah. So then after Captain America, the first Avenger, we get the first Avengers movie, I believe. Yes, we do. All right. My holy grail, the MCU. Yeah, you were, um, I seem to recall you being just mad crazy about the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I think me and you had met at the time, finally here, right? Yeah, I, I don't. we didn't see that one together, but I think it was maybe shortly after that that we... That was the year I started working with you for the first time. Okay, so that would, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I love this movie. I saw it, I think, eight times in theaters, maybe? This holds my record for the most times I saw a movie in theaters. And didn't I just you... wanted to go again right after I'd see it. I'm like, I want to do it again. And didn't you buy, like, 20 of those cups... I had the complete collection of the Avengers cups that had, like, two characters on each. I have the popcorn bucket. Yeah, I loved this movie. Uh, Which, you know, now I feel like as time goes on, the movie might not age as well because people will be like, you know, what's the big deal about it? But, you know, this was the first big superhero movie crossover ever. Like, the fact that they actually achieved this was monumental. Yeah, I know everyone always says Endgame is the most ambitious superhero crossover of all time, or Infinity War. I, If I'm being honest, I have to say the Avengers, because it's the first time it was done. Yeah. Like, this was a gamble and a half. Because, you know, just in general, when you're making movies, your box office, the more it's a sequel, the less your returns typically are. Like, so once you've gone into three or four sequels, some people missed one, they don't go see it in the movie theater. So when you're kind of making this a sequel to, like, eight movies it's a gamble and it's a gamble that worked out extremely well <laughs> oh yeah it was huge man what was it i just remember like sitting in the theaters I, I know i sound like a little excited kid right now but like that shot when they're all standing in new york and the camera you know that shot and the camera spins around the whole team the one that they show that they play anytime they talk about the avengers movie <laughs> yeah but i know we've seen it a billion times now and like trailers for other stuff and like retrospectives they always use that shot but words cannot explain the level of oh holy shit they did it like that i felt in the theater seeing that shot for the first time 
Like I, my arm hair would stand up. I would get so excited. It, it just perfectly encapsulated to me what the MCU really was able to achieve. Like not just, Hey, it sounds so simple. Like, Hey, we have a bunch of heroes together, but like to do it well and to give you that feeling, this is a comic book come to life is just wild. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of moments like that in like that shot. And then, um, the one shot in age of Ultron when, they're all fighting the Ultron bots. Like they're, they're really good at getting basically doing the film equivalent of a two page splash scene from like the comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's great. I can't say anything wrong about this movie at all. I still won't. And then I think the next one after this is Iron Man three. You are correct. Yes. Which, I saw this at the drive-ins. I remember which Iron Man three, another one that, tends to be a little bit divisive depending on what you feel about the Mandarin twist. I Most people I talk to, it actually doesn't come down to that. Okay. Most people I talk to is, it's, and I get what they're doing, but how little time Tony spends in the suits. That is also true. I mean, he didn't spend a lot of time in the suit in Iron Man 2 either. No, but that's why I think, like, once you got to Avengers and he was in it a ton, yeah. and then you get this, you want to see, like, a crazy Iron Man movie, and it's more like, and I get it, because it's showing Tony Stark is still a hero without the suit. Yeah. I get what they're going for, but as far as excitement, that can leave you a little wanting at times. A little bit, yeah. But as for the Mandarin of it all, uh, I did not, I actually did not mind the Mandarin twist. I thought that was an interesting kind of intentional or not a statement on how media could be manipulated yeah no you're right i didn't mind the twist itself that much i minded who they gave the mandarin to like the real one after even though oh. now that looks like it's being corrected yeah me guy pierce um, yeah i wasn't huge on that um but the mandarin was such like an ominous oh shit like it was a really cool way because look not being weird, but we all grew up post 9-11. Like, we lived through that. So, we remember those scary videos they'd show as kids on the news and shit. Yeah. So, like, to really capture that, like, him taking over TV, you will never see me coming, was a legit scary force. Like, oh, fuck, yeah, you have a bunch of missiles in your arm, but how are you going to deal with this? And then they kind of threw it away. I'm like, oh. I didn't hate it, but it... Yeah. I also would have liked to see if they kept that as the Mandarin. I do I do think it makes more sense, though, that they are kind of retconning it and bringing the real Mandarin into the Shang-Chi movie. Because I, yes. I never understood why the Mandarin, for, for such a period of time, was Iron Man's main villain. Because you have Iron Man, who's about technology, his robot suit, and he's fighting this magic guy guy with magic rings it always seemed like a weird mismatch to me yeah i'm with you um i think we already discussed this when we talked about the shang chi trailer yeah but no i get what you mean i always <laughs> impartial to fin fang foom is my favorite iron man villain but <laughs> uh and then uh i, was gonna say, I think also part oh can i also mention one thing about iron man 3 yeah uh, I count this. If people are going to count Die Hard as a Christmas movie, I always count Iron Man three as a Christmas. Oh movie. yeah, I, I do. I tend. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, it, it does take place during the Christmas season. Yes, to the point there's lots of Christmas things going on. Christmas trees throughout it. He uses a moment like where he makes like mini grenades out of Christmas bulbs and the end line. What the hell? It's Christmas. So yep, I gotta go. 
if you guys are going to count Die Hard, I'm counting Iron Man 3 as a Christmas I, movie. I, I'll allow it. Oh, thank you. Wow, look at you lo- using my own lines <laughs> against me. And also, um, while we're talking about Christmas movies, I also count Batman Returns as a Christmas movie. Yes, you do. You've told me this on several occasions. Well, uh, this while we're talking about unconventional Christmas movies. Uh, so after Iron Man 3, uh, what do we get next? Is it Winter Soldier or Thor Dark World? It's some variation of those two. So let's start with... Um... Let's start with Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay, so I already touched on this earlier. I think this is, if we're taking like from film critic best style, I think this is the best MCU movie. Just in terms of uh, filmmaking. Well basically. done, perfectly yeah. executed, um, fresh story, not overdone, not clogged with world building, like everything. I think the Winter Soldier is the shining jewel of the MCU. I can see that. I I do remember when it came out, there was a little bit of awards talk for it, which never materialized. But I do think at that time, if a Marvel movie was going to get some sort of Oscar recognition, I think the Winter Soldier should have had some sort of consideration. Of course not, because side tangent, the Academy is so fucking bullshit. Everything I love, they just ignore. Like... All of my geek shit, they won't talk about. And all my horror shit, they won't acknowledge either of them. So yeah. fuck, I do not care whatever wins anymore. Yeah, I, I did not even bother watching the Oscars this year because with, you know, the limited amount of theatrical releases la- last year, like, there was nothing nominated that I'd even seen. Unless Sonic the Hedgehog or Birds of Prey won or Bill and Ted, I wanted none of it. And that did not nah, happen. No, nothing like that. I mean, the history of the Academy and comic book movies is there isn't much of a history. I think, I think Logan got nominated for best adapted screenplay or best screenplay based on a previously published work. So that's kind of a, that's that was kind of cool. It didn't win, obviously. And Black yeah. Panther got nominated for best picture, which I think is actually the first time a comic book movie got nominated for best picture, which. I th- was surprised because I really thought the first original Superman movie got nominated for Best Picture, but apparently it did not, so that I'm a little irked about that. Yeah. But enough of that, yeah, so yeah. which one do... Winter Soldier, and that's where we're at. Winter Soldier, yeah. Um, the Bucky twist, I did not know it was a twist, because that's like when I really started getting into reading comics heavily, it was that Brubaker run was one of the first ones I really read and stuff. Yeah. So I was going around telling everyone, hey, that's Bucky. And I took me one or two people to realize, oh, spoiler, this isn't one that people are well aware of a lot. (laughs) So you're just being an asshole. Not on purpose. (laughs) I thought it was like, if someone said Peter Parker's in the next movie, I'm like, oh, that's (laughs) Spider-Man. Like, that's, in my head, what, the same level. Yeah. I I think this was a great political thriller with a superhero cloak draped over it. That's yes. the best way, I think, to describe it. And I think a lot of the MCU that works real well is that way. It's not just the superhero genre. Like, Ant-Man is a heist movie with yeah. a superhero painting on it. You know what I mean? You, you basically just said what I was about to say, that the idea that Marvel, as they developed, they would take different genres and, like I said, they threw a superhero blanket on it. Yeah, exactly. To the point, I considered Guardians of the Galaxy, like a near space opera thriller style, like near, like very Star Wars influence and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It, 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 I think it helps keep things fresh and makes things not repetitive. Yeah. And then, um, um 
That's all I can say, really, in Winter Soldier that I haven't already said. Well, Do you have Win- anything? Winter Soldier also introduces the major plot point of Hydra infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D. and the dismantling of the original version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's right. And that Hydra's still alive and well. Which, I remember at the time watching that movie and thinking, you know, okay, so Hydra, which is like this Nazi offshoot, is still alive and well in modern-day America? That's so far-fetched. Oh, yeah, we would never have anything like that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> cut to present day. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I was so wrong about that. <laughs> yep. And you ever have these moments, or this is a side tangent, where, like, you make a declarative statement about something, saying, like, like oh, this, this will never be a thing, and then it totally becomes a thing? Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm creeping up on one of those happening because i saw indiana jones started filming oh yeah no i i remember this is a complete side tangent not related to marvel but we gotta get a few tangents in here in the late 90s late at night i was watching mtv back when they played music videos and i remember seeing the music video for britney spears hit me baby one more time for the first time my i remember my exact thoughts were this is just a tremendous pile of shit. This is the worst 80s teen pop throwback. This will never be popular. That didn't age well. I was fucking wrong. And that's why I'm not in charge of a record company. So, yeah. Um, so where just, do we go? Do uh, we go uh, Thor, Dark, Thor World Dark World next? Yeah. The arguably probably... The least relevant Marvel movie, maybe next to The Incredible Hulk at this point. I'd actually say Endgame kind of re-relevanted it again. Well, yeah, that's that, the word. I don't know. I don't think that's the word, but you, yeah, you did have pointed out the fact that Endgame really kind of ha- tried to give the Dark World more of a purpose. <laughs> yeah, um, I gotta say, Dark World is in like my bottom three. Yeah, I'd have. I don't. Remember the villain that well? Wasn't it like an evil elf or something? Yeah, Malekith, the dark elf, yeah. They had the infinity goo. Uh, yeah, the stone that's not a stone. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman gets sick. Uh, Loki's back, and he's probably one of the highlights of the movie. He dies, but not really. I do like the Loki stuff, because this is the first time we see him post-Avengers, when he's yeah. like the greatest war criminal on Earth. Yeah, and the that that is a cool moment. I gotta say, because you know, as much as I'll say bad things, I do want to be positive. Hence the namesake yeah. of the show as well. Um, when Thor goes to the like dungeon or prison or whatever, and you see Loki, and when should we start? Like, is a pretty cool moment. Yeah, didn't I? I seem to recall because I think me and you saw this together at some point. Yes, we did. Did you basically at some point say, you know, when did Thor become so Star Warsy? Yeah, this is where they really leaned into the... And they hinted at it in the first Thor movie. The Asgardians are almost more alien than God. Yeah. Yeah, I I distinctly remember that. And yeah, there's a lot of spaceship battle action in this one. Yeah, laser beams, the whole shebang. Speaking of Star Wars, I think we actually got this order wrong. I'm sure the internet will crucify me. Look, I saw all of them. I'm old. It's been a while. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Where do they... F- Wait, is that the next one, or...? It's around here. Somewhere, yeah. We're, yeah, we probably should have... I should probably pull up a list of these, but... 
I'm on it. All right. But go on. We'll talk about Guardians now. Guardians. I brought it up. Guardians. Uh, that was another one wherever it came out, people were like, oh, Marvel's pushing their luck. No one knows these characters, and this might be a little bit too weird. And then it comes out. Oh, remember out. the SNL skit? The, because fuck you, we're Marvel. You'll see whatever <laughs> we put out. It's true, though, because it worked. It worked like gangbusters. That movie was a massive hit. And oh, Max was actually right. The only thing we got backwards was Thor and Winter Soldier, but Guardians is next. Oh, uh, uh, Thor was before Winter Soldier. Yeah, and then Guardians of the Galaxy is next. So we're we're on. We're good. All right, so leave us alone, Internet. We're old yes. and tired. So Guardians, yeah. Uh, uh, what to say about that movie? Another one, another movie where I mean the the villain isn't that interesting, but everything else about it. I mean the entire Guardians team. I mean Groot gave the world Groot. Yeah. Look, I gotta say, I think Guardians of the Galaxy was another huge gamble and another huge payoff. And I think James Gunn was the perfect person to bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't overly familiar with his work before that. I know he had done the movie Super and Slither. Yeah, um, I first discovered James Gunn as a teenager with our friend P uh, with Tromeo and Juliet, the Troma film. Oh, yeah, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, that was my first introduction to James Gunn, and honestly, I think he's the best tongue-in-cheek, but can still make you feel like the serious like moments that you're supposed to. That yeah, it was oh, perfect and it made oh, sense. Yeah, the it, Guardians is a fun movie, but like when you get to the scene where you know Groot's creating the like cocoon around them, and and you know Rocket's like, but you'll die, and he's just like, we are Groot. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fucking cry. <laughs> Oh, it is incredibly sad. I, I love, you know, like, no offense against Baby Groot. I know everyone loved Baby Groot. I think regular Groot is cuter and makes me happier than Baby Groot does. I, I'm hoping for Guardians 3 we get, you know, adult Groot back, because I think it's, there's been enough time has passed. Yeah. Um, I love, like, Rocket is such a badass character, too, like, where they all go to prison and everything, yeah. and... Rocket does the cliche, you beat up the toughest guy on your first day in yeah. thing with Groot. Yeah. They lift that alien up by his nostrils and shit and cool. Like, like, I'm with them. And then, oh yeah, I guess we should highlight the fact that Guardians gave, really propelled Chris Pratt into the mainstream of uh, act movies. Yeah, it's, it's wild to think about where Chris Pratt was and where he is due to Guardians, because you don't get him in, like, whatever his space movie was with Jennifer... What's her name? Lawrence, Lawrence, like where it's hot people in space or Jurassic World or any of that stuff, if not for Guardians. <laughs> I I wanted, I wanted to see a movie called Hot People in Space. That's basically whatever that movie was. I <laughs> yeah. barely remember. Uh, fun fact, I was working at this store called Hot Topic when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, Maxwell. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember those days. I have the giant wall-sized window cling still here with me today. Window cling? Like, you know, like, the advertisement, oh. like, that you put up on the window. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, the giant poster thing. I still have it. Is that in your, is that in your pod cave? It is. It is not hanging up because it is too freaking big. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it, but I have it. And that's all that matters. And um, Yes. Yeah, Chris Pratt before this, um, mostly probably known for Parks and Recreation. Yeah, I'd say so. Not really first person you think about in terms of, you know, you know, buff action star but they he they whipped him into shape and 
Now we have Chris Pratt. And speaking of buff action star, Batista kind of his oh. more mainstream movie breakout because he had oh, been yeah. doing movies already. It's not his first. I think the first movie I saw him in was that Man with the Golden Fists or whatever. But he Man was still kind of struggling to break out of the wrestler. Hey, you can cast me once in a while thing. This was his big breakout as well. I he I'm not familiar with his filmography before Guardians. I feel. I personally feel like he probably got a lot of the uh, henchman roles before that. Exactly. Is that the case? Okay. Even even after Guardians, like, I think he played, like, a henchman in a James Bond movie. Yeah. And um, he, had- he just had a killer week, though, recently with that Army of the Dead where he's the lead. Oh, yeah. Breaking all kinds of, like, records for Netflix and shit, and he's the yeah, lead in that. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. He He's the lead in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard... Interesting things about that movie. Did you watch? You watched it. I did. Okay. I I think the one of the funniest things I heard about that movie, like I said, I have not watched it yet because I suck. But they basically said that movie is Zack Snyder unrestrained. Oh yeah, and I love okay. it. It's great. Okay, I'm gonna um, check that out soon. Yeah, but that's Guardians. It's great. This is also our first, aside from the post credit scene. In Avengers, this is our first real Thanos, too. So that's oh, very important. Oh, yeah. He's basically kind of, you know, uh, he's Ronin's... He, Ronin answers to him in this, and he just kind of... Yeah, he kind of just sits on a floaty chair in space yeah. a lot, but yeah, whatever. Just, yeah. But, you know, that that's, sometimes that's what you gotta do. So, after Guardians... Um, oh, wait. We, get... we did miss something. I feel we should cover every MCU thing, since we're, we're not gonna do another one of these. So, we might as well hit everything. Yeah. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out right before Dark World. Yeah, and that was really awkward, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was predicated on being a show about S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, then halfway through their first season, S.H.I.E.L.D. gets dismantled. Yeah, I think that that hurt that show a lot. And, like, it paid service to the movies. But the movies never paid service to it. And I get why. I I really do. But that was a a tough sell for it. And also, the show undoes one of the most moving moments of the first Avengers movie, Agent Coulson dying. Yes, and they Which, never look because he was the biggest. They're not going to get Sam Jackson for a weekly network show, so he's the second biggest. I think I feel like it should have went with Maria Hill, though. To be honest, I think she might have been the actress that played her. I think was still on How I Met Your Mother at that point. Is How I Met Your Mother still going on? Then I think so. Yeah, uh, I know you were always a big fan of that show. I'd watch it here and there. I was a big fan of that show, and then the last season kind of ruined it a little bit story of most shows it didn't end the greatest um funny fact the actor that plays phil colson do you know um the sitcom he was on before he made got his big break with marvel no i do not he was on the new adventures of old christine i remember that this just like unlocked a core memory What, what was this it was a sitcom in the early 2000s with uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus of all people, man, that's all, right. It's all connected because then she shows up in Falcon: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's fucking wild, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he. Oh, I'll really say on Agents of Shield is it gets weird. It does. We do get Robbie Ree's Ghost Rider in it, which is fucking cool, and a yeah. few other little things like they touch on some Inhuman stuff, but that's about it. Yeah, and I was- wasn't a huge fan. I didn't hate it, but I watched the first couple episodes and then jumped back in here and there. That was basically, I think I watched maybe 
yeah, I think it was the same. I think I watched the first few episodes and I just kind of lost interest. And I know occasionally when a new Marvel movie would come out, they would address it on the show. Like, I think they did a tie-in with Thor The Dark World then, but... Yeah, it's... But do I really care about the cleanup crew after the big fight? Yeah, pretty much. The only time I care about that is Spider-Man Homecoming. Exactly. But we're not quite there yet after... Uh, fuck, where are we? We did Guardians. And then, look, we got we got... Two more shows to hit here. Again, we'll just briefly hit those, but I've, if it's okay with you, I'd like to be as complete as possible. All right. Uh, Agent Carter. I've, I've fucking completely forgot about Agent Carter. Um, That's another one. I watched the first couple episodes, and then I just fell out of it. Yeah. I, I'm afraid to admit I didn't watch any of it. I do know it was noteworthy for introducing the original human version of Jarvis. Yeah, that is true, because he even shows up later, brief cameo in Endgame. So yeah, the, he is the only uh, character from the original Marvel TV shows to show up in the movies. I think you're right. Because back then, like, the Marvel shows were... They said they were interconnected with the movies, but the shows would reference the movies, but the movies would very rarely reference the shows. And I'm talking about not just... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, but the original Marvel Netflix shows, they were supposed to be in the same universe, but the movies, like, never acknowledged them. It's funny that you mention that, Maxwell, because up next is the very first Marvel Netflix show, which would be Daredevil. Well, this is the part where I fail, because I didn't get Netflix... I didn't actually... I was late to the streaming game. I didn't really... You were... I forgot... You know, I forgot all about that, because it's funny, because you stream so much now. Yeah. I forgot there was a time that I kept trying to convince you to get Netflix and things like this. And I, like, completely was not on... I was not on streaming whenever the Marvel shows started, and by the time I was in my streaming prime, they had all been cancelled, and I just, like, what's the fucking point of watching them? (laughs) I'll tell so, you, you need to watch Daredevil 100% yeah. of that. That still holds up fantastic. It's incredible. Well, I'll keep this brief then. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is wild. I love it. I'll kind of hit all three seasons. But we get the Punisher showing up in season two, Elektra in season two. It's, I think, like gritty crime Marvel at its best. Yeah. And uh, I think by now... There was a contract where, after those shows were canceled, uh, Marvel couldn't use those characters for about until two years after the cancellation. And I think by now they have all those rights back, but I don't know if they're going to do anything with them. Look, I hate saying this because I feel like they're throwing every possible thing into this movie, if you want to believe the rumors. But I keep hearing Charlie Cox is supposed to show up in the new Spider-Man. Then again, I've heard everyone is supposed to show up in the new Spider-Man. Charlie Cox played Matt Murdock. But who knows? I'm not getting onto that rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about this movie until I get a trailer for it anymore. Yeah, I'm the same boat. I don't know what to believe about... What's the title for the Spider-Man? No Way Home? Yes. I will believe, I don't believe anything until I see footage, and even then, I've heard so many different things about it, and the things I've heard, I'm not entirely on board for, I don't know what the hell they're doing, I'm I'm afraid that Sony is trying to manipulate this to serve their needs for their Spider-Man universe that they're trying to do adjacent to the MCU, so I don't know what the fuck... 
A Craven solo movie. Oh boy, am I excited, Maxwell. No, Who the no, fuck wants that? No, I would love to see Craven as a villain in a Spider-Man movie, not in a Me his too. Own That's solo what I'm movie. saying. Like, yeah, even, 100%. You'd make a great Spider-Man villain. Why yeah, like, the uh, fuck do I care about Craven just going around on big animal hunts? And you saw who's playing him, right? I did, I don't remember. Uh Aaron Taylor Johnson. He was in, he, he played Kick-Ass. Yeah, and Quicksilver. Quick, oh yeah, and Quicksilver, and he was in that one Godzilla, mo- Godzilla movie, the uh, good but kind of boring one. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Taylor, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson has a pretty good track record, to be yeah. honest. And he he's buffed up majorly, so I can see him being Craven, and I would love to see that in a Spider-Man movie. I don't know how it's going to work as a solo movie, just as I don't know how well the Morbius movie is going to work whenever the fuck that comes out, because I don't even know at this point. I don't know either. Is, so are we going to get the, the accent again? Like, I have little picture. <laughs> oh, God. Which is a perfect segue. Boom, I got one. Because next is Avengers Age of Ultron, Maxwell. All right. This is this is a movie that very much like Iron Man 2, I think people shit on it too much. But I also understand it's a lot of world building and not enough of its own movie. Yeah, you know, I have mixed feelings on Age of Ultron because I really enjoyed it, saw it multiple times in theaters. And then the parts I don't enjoy, they get really grating to me. You know what I mean? Like what parts? Uh, one I brought up already. I do, I'm not a fan of the Bruce Natasha romance. Okay, yeah. And that was very um, much... And then... That was very much a Joss Whedon thing. Like, he, I think he really Yeah, it's very much a Joss Whedon thing. Look, Joss Whedon, shit person. I'm just talking about his work here. Yeah. So, I am not at all, like, advocating for the man. But I'll say, what he did in the first Avengers is Whedon at his best. What he well, did here is some of Whedon at his worst. And my well, biggest example of that, Maxwell, is when you see Hawkeye and Black Widow driving, like, a snowplow through the giant oh. battle at the end and everything. And Hawkeye is talking about redecorating his kitchen. I remember. People are falling off a floating fucking city, you asshole. No one is like this. Like, just... Joss Whedon, go up to a human and talk to them and write people like that. That's what humans are like. And yeah, that, that that's definitely... Yeah, that's definitely a Whedonism. You could definitely draw comparisons between that scene and any of the obvious, like flash humor scenes in justice league that he redid yeah exactly like that's the whedon at his worst well we know whedon at his worst whedon's filmmaking at its worst yeah Yeah, we're talking about yeah it's filmmaking not the fact that apparently he's a dick in real life yes which um at at least i do like oh go ahead i said at least it's somewhat refreshing that he's just an asshole and not a sex offender so there's that. Yeah, we've set the standards pretty low, haven't we? Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, I mean, you didn't, you didn't sexually assault anyone. You're just an asshole. So, you're yeah, give him three years, he'll be back. Yeah, but um, also, but also, you know, my positives. Well, I, I would like you to throw yours in too. Um, I love James Spader as Ultron. Yes, I, I thought he. Whenever they announced him as the voice of Ultron, I was just like. I don't know why, but that that 100% makes sense. I think that was a very good choice. Um, some of his humor was a bit weird, and I don't know if yeah, that's... I'm not saying I like that, but I like that he was a perfect voice and feel for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, don't, I didn't find his humor as bad as some of the, you know, like, oh, I'm supposed to redo the kitchen, everyone's dying. Uh, yeah. 
but um, I, I, but I, I really like, like an example of the bad humor is humans create smaller people. Oh, children. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> that, that was so dumb. I kind of enjoyed it, but I attribute at least from a filmmaking, a writing standpoint that he was snarky because his personality was partially based on Tony Stark. I always they, liked that, and I wish they would have actually addressed it. And well, they they almost addressed it when um, oh, I forget one of the Avengers says something, and then Ultron's like, "Well, apparently you've never made an omelet." And Tony Stark was like, "I was just about to say that." Yeah, they would have actually just thrown in a line. Um, if anyone listens to my other show, they know this. Is a, I'm a big stickler for this. One line of dialogue is all it takes for us to go, "Thank you." Like. That's all we needed. And then that explains everything. So they would have thrown in that one line of dialogue. Well, he is based off your consciousness, Tony, or something like that. Yeah. That's all we needed. Because they had another scene later in the movie where um, uh, uh, Scarlet Witch is like, you know, Ultron can't tell the difference between saving the world and destroying it. Where do you think he gets that from? And then that was based on Tony Stark. Yeah. Oh, good pull. Introduction to Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Vision in this movie. Oh yeah, Vision. This this movie is what began my love affair with the character Vision. Like I've all I was always familiar with him from the comics, but I never really paid much attention. But Paul Bettany as that character, I don't know. There's something about the calmness of him, and mixed with how powerful he is. I don't know. That character really appealed to me. Starting with that, and I I. I've loved every time he's played that character because then he goes on to Captain America Civil War and then uh, Avengers Infinity War and then, of course, WandaVision. And I really hope we see more of him. I just read an article actually today where it said that Paul Bettany's contract with Marvel is actually up. So I'm really hoping they read they do like to renew his contract because he's he has said he wants to play the vision as much as he can so i really want to see more of him yeah and obviously the way wandavision ended we haven't seen the last division yeah um i've got to say he is so op overpowered in this movie it's crazy and it just kind of goes away after this one yeah well, well maybe uh that's always a tough thing when you have characters that are so overpowered. What do you do with them? That I have a whole rant about the X-Men movies I can do about Professor Xavier, but I don't know if I want to do that right now. Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying. But yeah, it's it's something. I'm not complaining, but it's definitely there. I also kind of wish they wouldn't have given him the Mjolnir hold, like Thor's hammer, because I wish that moment was saved for when Cap does it in Endgame. Oh, you see, I like that moment in that movie because that they were arguing about whether or not they could trust him. So the fact that he was deemed worthy to hold the hammer, I basically solidified that like this guy is like the epitome of like goodness. I, so I actually enjoyed that. I agree until we get to that Cap one because I feel yeah. like that would have meant so much more well, if no one else had ever done it. I think with Cap, the way I look at it is earlier in the movie, they were all taking turns trying to lift the hammer. And when he tried it, it nudged a little bit. And yeah, I think, let's talk about this. I think sometime between Age of Ultron and Endgame, 
Captain America became worthy. He wasn't worthy in Age of Ultron. Something about his character arc, he became worthy in that time period somehow. I'm not sure how, but I, that's always how I looked at it as he wasn't worthy in Age of Ultron. By the time we get to Endgame, he was worthy. I counter you with no one's kind of worthy because the hammer shouldn't have budged if he was just kind of worthy. He wasn't worthy. I took it as Cap was worthy. Cap is so modest and like part of the reason why he's worthy. He's not a show off or anything. He just chose not to lift it. I once he realized I, he as could. You, as you're saying that, I kind of realize that that actually does make a lot of sense. So I can also I can see that too. That actually, yeah, like, I think that's of part sense. of his worthiness. He doesn't need to show off and like, yeah. oh, look at me. Like he's like, oh, wow, I can do this. I'm just gonna let it go. Yeah. Okay. That that that's I like that interpretation. I, I'm do, I'm down with that. Okay. So next we get Jessica Jones. I you said you haven't seen it. I'll say yeah. this was my favorite of the Netflix Marvel se- series. Mainly season one, season two gets a little murky for me. But Kristen Ritter playing Jessica Jones, yeah. mwah, Chef's yeah. Kiss. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, Kristen Ritter. Um, first probably well, she's the daughter of somebody. Uh, every, most women. Oh, are. No, no, no. Uh, another actor. I don't remember. Okay. I, I'm not. I don't remember. But anyways, um, she. I guess first came to the notice on Breaking Bad. Yeah, and don't trust the bitch in Apartment that, Twenty Three or something. But yeah, that, I first met her through Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, something mentioned. Yeah, uh, don't trust the bitch in Apartment Twenty Three, which I only ever watched the first episode of, and I think it's on Netflix. Uh. That always show always struck uh, stuck out to me because there's a scene at the end of it where she gets back this chair that someone bought, and she only reason why she got it back is she had a bag of drugs in it, and she said, "Hey, anybody want to take some pills, get weird, and play Mario Kart?" Oh hell yeah! I, I, <laughs> that, that always stuck out to me. Legal disclaimer: I'm joking. Um, sure. No, that's. I thought that movie that movie that show was fantastic and really showed like dealing with trauma. Yeah. It sounds so weird in this like superhero Marvel show, but in a real way, and I really appreciated that and loved the way they portrayed it and not over the top or anything like that. They did a very realistic way to deal with PTSD and trauma, and I loved it. And this is actually, like I said, I, I did not watch the Marvel Netflix shows because by the time I got into streaming, they were canceled. But this is where I have to pull one of my um, uh, geek brags because I have the first, like, 10 or so issues of the Alias comic that introduced Jessica Jones. I know you do, you bastard. I'm always saying you don't even know where it's at, so I'm going to come steal it one day. You'll never oh, I know, no, no, no. I know where they're at. All of my old comics are in my attic. Like, like pretty much every, all the cool stuff I have is in my attic. We, we this I'm going to come take it one day. So, and All right, well, next, we get to the most unlikely star of a Marvel movie. Um, that would be Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Okay, no lie. I love the Ant Man movies. I don't. Oh, I like them a lot. I don't. No, I'm. I'm going out flat out saying I love them. Like I think I attribute it to the fact it, it basically comes down to Paul Rudd. I don't know who thought to put Paul Rudd. Well, Kevin Feige obviously thought to put Paul Rudd in a action superhero movie, but it works incredibly well. And I think, like I said, Paul. I, okay, I just have a big man crush on Paul Rudd, and I think that's where. I why I love these movies and like his comedic ability, his action. Like I don't know, I I just think these are very fun movies. They aren't very 
integral to the overall their storyline. Like they, they don't they're totally, low stakes. They, which they, is yeah. refreshing once in a while. The world doesn't yeah. always need to be on the brink yeah. of destruction. Yeah, they're they're both basically heist movies, like you said. And once again, it's Marvel taking something like a heist movie and then they throw a superhero into it. And I yeah. it's done incredibly well. Uh, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is amazing. Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. I mean, they're just fun movies. Oh, and of oh, yeah. Michael Penna. Oh, as Luis. Oh, the, the, the gift of Michael Penna in that movie. Uh, that man is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just his over-explaining is great. Every time we talk about Paul Rudd, I'm not going to lie, that scene from Mac and Me that he always shows pops in my head. <laughs> oh, God. Like, every time. Yeah, that, that's um for those who don't know, um, pretty much every time Paul Rudd has been a guest on the Conan O'Brien show, whatever version of it, no matter what he's promoting... He brings the clip of Mac and me where the kid in the wheelchair falls off of a cliff. Yes, that's what I always think of. Um, but no, I think these are fun. They're really low stakes, which isn't a bad thing, as I said. Yeah, you need, and, you, you need that kind of, once again, you have to mix it up or else it becomes boring. Yeah, the world's not always, doesn't always need to be right about to end. Like, you can have other superhero stories. Which is kind of interesting because then Ant-Man becomes, like, integral to the plot of Endgame. So he goes. I don't know why. I feel bad for thinking this, but when Paul Rudd was first cast as Ant Man, just because he's almost like a different type of actor, I almost got worried he wouldn't play nice. Not like that he's a jerk, but just like I'm not gonna be able to fit it in because I'm busy or I don't know what. But like when it came to the crossover stuff, I don't know why I had that in my head, but I'm glad that never was a problem. Yeah, I don't know. He seems like a pretty level-headed guy. So, oh, never like oh, because I'm Paul Rudd. It was never that. It's because hey, I can't commit to doing this nearly full time. I mean, I don't even know what he's done lately outside of Marvel. So, not true. Um, next, right around here, I'm not sure exactly. We get Iron Fist, and oh boy, I've heard not good things about Iron Fist. Yeah, it's not great. It's really not. Um, definitely the worst of the MCU Netflix shows. I've the yeah, I've that did that go two seasons or only I think one? it only went one. Oh, that's yeah. Most of them got at least two. Yeah. Also, right around this time, I'll just bring up because I don't have this list. We would also get the Punisher around here. Okay. Which um, what's his name? I can't think of his name. All of a sudden, John. It's not Frank. John Barenthal, thank you. I'm yeah. like, no, Frank Castle is the Punisher. Who is this guy? Um, I think he was a great Frank Castle. I thought he did really well. That's all I'll really say. We won't go into it since you didn't watch it. Yeah, but I- I've seen clips from it. It definitely looked like a one of the better versions of the Punisher that they've commit to, they've put to film. The Punisher, the Punisher. That's another one. I would love to see the Punisher as a villain type character in a Spider Man movie, just because of their history together. Yeah, the Punisher's first appearance was in uh, Amazing Except, Spider-Man yeah. 129. Yeah, I mean, we could you could make a whole third MCU Spider-Man movie with the Punisher in it and with Daredevil as a supporting character. Marvel, yeah. you should Marvel, you should have us pitch your ideas. I think that's a solid idea for a Spider-Man movie. And I know you're listening because I know you listen to our show. Yeah. Uh, by the way, guys, I know this episode's running long. It's going to be a supersized episode. It's episode 25. Deal with it. Oh yeah, well, this is our. T- we didn't even mention that our twenty fifth episode. Um, I feel like there might be some people out there that don't know why our a twenty fifth episode is significant. Should we explain it to them? 
No, just because it's 25, that's a nice even number. Well, no, it, uh, t- well, to me at least, it stems from the fact that back in the day, I don't know how much it, it is now, when, com- whenever a comic book hit a 25-issue mark, it was considered a big like milestone, like 25 issue, issue 25, 50, 75, 100. It was like oh, okay. considered, it was considered a big deal. I don't know if they do that now. I mean, because I know Marvel like relaunches everything after five issues, and DC does an entire you know continuity continuity reboot every five years. So I don't know how modern comics do it. But back in the day, it was like you hit issue number like one hundred twenty five. That's a big deal. So this is our big twenty fifth episode. We got a hologram cover on it. There's a free it's like a, a legit bona fide podcast now. Yeah, we have there's a free stick of gum. Contact oh. us if you want your gum. I didn't get mine. Well, I'll, t- I'll I'll have to bring you your gum. Maybe a ba- maybe a base maybe a baseball card. We are at like movie sixteen, so I'm gonna move us through this. Yeah, yeah. we get we're, we're Captain America: it. Civil War in 2016. Another one that I feel like at the time, peep. There's some people that were divide were divided on it, but I loved it. I and I will agree, a lot of it does play out like, you know, Avengers 2.5. But first, I would like to counter that with, you. after the first Avengers movie, everyone was always saying, like, when Thor The Dark World came out or something else, like, you know, why weren't the Avengers there? Why weren't the Avengers there? And then you get to the Captain America movie where the Avengers are there, and they're like, oh, there's too many Avengers. It's like, make up your fucking mind. I just had to get I out think of in play. general, people are really positive towards it. I only yeah. saw a couple negatives. I I think to me what makes this a Captain America movie and a not a Avengers movie is the continuation of the Steve and Bucky storyline. Yeah, good point. Also, Civil War the comic, although it was like a whole Marvel Universe comic, a lot of it was focused on Cap. Yeah, I seem to recall it, it was very Cap and Iron Man focused, and Iron Man basically is like a co lead in this movie. Robert Downey Jr has even gone as far to say that he felt like Captain America Civil War was also kind of his Iron Man 4. Yeah. Um, that um, does introduce us to Zemo, who will pop back up later. Um, yeah. No one died in it, and I gotta say, this was one of those moments I thought, look, not that I'm grizzly, but I'm like, maybe it's time to start killing off some characters just to <laughs> let there be stakes, you know what I mean? Not to be dark, but let's just start. Yeah, but these do you get people. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This long into it, like maybe it's time we start doing that. Well, we lost Colson and Quicksilver. Come on. And so then, I was yeah. shocked that they didn't have anyone die, but because they really, they really kind of set it up that you thought that Rhodey was going to die, but he, oh, yeah. up, but he ends up getting sort of paralyzed, but then he gets like robot legs or something. Yeah. Um, and then um, next. One of, I think, one of the more fantastical, interesting movies, we get Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange, one of the best movies I've seen in theaters in 3D. I generally am not a fan of 3D. I saw this one in 3D, and it worked amazingly. So I definitely want to give credit for that. It, it, was, worth see- it was worth seeing in 3D, and, and most movies aren't. Yeah, especially that part where, like, he gets, like, sent back through everything, honestly. There's not one part. Almost all of it. Like, the whole Dormammu stuff, the whole him going into, like, his consciousness, everything. And all the reality warping, you know, buildings and stuff like that. It just looked really cool. 
even without 3D, it looked cool. But yeah, another another solid origin movie. Um, it is interesting that Doctor Strange and Iron Man, I feel, are kind of similar in terms of being jerks that have to learn a lesson. Yeah, I was going to say um, two controversies. Not really. Con- well, one's a controversy and then one general complaint. A lot of people complain that it was way too similar to Iron Man. Yeah. And I feel like I know what the other complaint was. The other one was Tilda Swinton's casting. Did I say that yeah. name correctly? Yeah. As well, the ancient one. Well, here's the thing. I, I I like Tilda Swinton a lot as an actress. So I did not mind her playing the ancient one. They tried to establish the idea that the ancient one is is a mantle passed on to different people, but they didn't really flush that out enough. Yeah, just so, like the Ultron being part of Tony's consciousness, yeah. they and, didn't really let you know. And I, I also thought they were going for like an an androgynous take on the character, like. But then they refer to the Ancient One as she, so they didn't really follow through with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, look, criticism where criticism's yeah. fair wasn't the smartest move. That's no, all, no, all things considered, with the performance we got, she did do well in the role. But even Kevin Feige has recently said that he kind of regrets casting her and that he really should have, they should have cast an Asian actor and their thing was some of the old ancient one material from the comics was borderline racist and they wanted to avoid that, but they wanted to, they avoided that by completely changing the character. And he even admitted maybe we, we could have done something a bit. They could have done it with an Asian actor and just improved on the character. So it wasn't like a stereotype. Yeah, you're right, but which they probably should have went that direction. Which is also the same reason, kind of the same reason why they did what they did with the Mandarin, but now they've realized their mistake and they're kind of retconning that with Shang Chi. Yeah, exactly. It's really it's, um, a, it's a it's a fine line to balance because there are a lot of like racially stereotypic stereotypes in old comics, which sadly were a reflection a reflection of the time and they just haven't aged well yeah uh next the last of the netflix shows we get luke cage luke cage that's that's one of the ones that like i said i didn't watch any of them but the, the actor that plays luke cage i like him so i probably should get around to watching those someday just for historical purposes and for the purpose of yeah the show. i liked it. it wasn't my favorite of them but i definitely liked it worth checking out and that was another one that I'm under the impression it had, you know, some like social commentary to it. Oh, for sure. Um, just what was going on in the world at the time and a movie about a bulletproof black man. It's definitely hit a lot of nails on the head that was going on in the news. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I, I always liked the actor that played him. I don't remember his name. So Mike Coulter. Okay. And I think he's gone on to do a, a few other shows and things like that, but yeah. we're only briefly touching on the Netflix shows, so next up would be... Uh, Alright. I thought you try to be positive. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You didn't like Guardians 2? No. It's my bottom. Really? This is my bottom. See, I... I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a serviceable sequel. Not the best, but I found it just to be an overall enjoyable, fun movie. I never... I'm interested. I want to hear your thoughts, why it's on your bottom. 
Look, I like all this stuff. Um, none of these are, per se, movies I do not enjoy watching. But if you compare it to everything else we got, I think Guardians is Volume 2 is the bottom. It loses a lot of the charm that first Guardians movie has. It with The first one, maybe it was the whole getting the team together I love so much. I don't know. But I don't care for the whole ego, the living planet being Quill's dad at all. I don't find any joy in that story. I... I just don't care for it. I, I don't know. There's just a million things. The whole taser face stuff didn't get me as much as I thought it would. Like, it wasn't funny to me. This one just seemed to miss all the marks for me. None of the humor really lined up for me. Now, that's not to say that I didn't like some of the new things. I liked the Yondu storyline. Oh. didn't That didn't play enough through it. I liked the addition of Mantis, things like that. But in general, yeah, this is my bottom for me. That's such a weird take because I'm... I can I agree with certain things like I think the humor in this they doubled down on it and it didn't quite work all the time. However, the Yondu storyline, I, I fucking cried in the movie theater when Yondu died. That's oh, why I said it was a positive for me. Yeah. That wasn't a yeah. negative. I, I know, but I'm just saying like I, that hit me really, really hard. Like they completely took a character that you should hate and made you care about him. So my hat my hat is off to them for that. But other than yes. that, I, mean, I thought it was, like I said, I used the word serviceable sequel. You know, it's not as good as the original, but I think it, it's a decent enough continuation. So that's why I'm kind of surprised that you kind of rank, rank it towards the bottom. But like I, I said, mean, I like all this stuff. Yeah. It's just the bottom for me. Yeah. But, you know, everyone's entitled to different opinions. So I do yes. admit um, the final battle where it's um, Star Lord fighting. Ego. Oh, you're gonna hit my one of my big ones that yeah. I got legitimately it's, it's, pissed about. Yeah. It's supposed to be this big emotional fight scene, and then Star Lord creates a giant Pac-Man. Yeah, you just found out this guy killed your mom, dude. Yeah. And you're gonna make Pac-Man? Fuck you. A bit too much. <laughs> That's like the driving around uh Sokovia floating the I'm gonna redo the dining room whatever I think that's the same created, thing I think we've created a new new term that I want to make popular you know how it used to be jumping the shark yeah now it's the driving around Sokovia re- talking about redoing your kitchen <laughs> exactly that's my biggest issue in any Marvel movie when that happens or I like that's in, always uh, my number one issue or like in Indiana Jones and the uh King of the Christmas Skull the nuking the fridge <laughs> Yeah, we, I I want to I want to popularize popularize driving around Sokovia talking about redoing your kitchen as an example of ridiculous movie moments. Yes. Oh, so Max, though, I'm very excited about our next one. Oh, which what's our next one? I don't even know anymore. This is Spider-Man Homecoming and the most oh. appropriately named movie because this is it felt like finally Spider-Man is home. Oh, we did. Well, first, we didn't even address the fact that he premiered in Civil War. Oh, so, yeah. We didn't... Uh, Black Panther premieres in Civil War. Spider-Man premieres in Civil War. But for the, for the, for the purposes of talking about Homecoming, yes, Spider-Man is finally back in the MCU. Sony and Marvel, Marvel Disney worked it out. We get Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Arguably, probably the best actor to play Spider-Man, I would say. Oh, don't you say that. I'm with you, but don't the internet will come down on us like nothing you've ever Inter- seen. Internet. In our opinion, the best. Yeah, but the fact that they actually hired someone that's a teenager 
instead of a 30-year-old pretending to be a teenager, and also someone that has a background in um, acrobatics and dance so he can actually physically do a lot of this stuff. I think And he actually uses a New York accent? Yeah. Oh, yeah, two days he has, like, a Queens accent. But also the fact there's a story you probably heard. Um, when he was auditioning for Civil War, there's a scene where it's like, you know, Spider-Man does a backflip, and Tom Holland's like, so, um, you want me to do that? I can do that. And, like, some of the producers are like, oh, no, 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 because you might hurt yourself. And the Russo brothers are like, yeah, do it. <laughs> and he does a, <laughs> did, a, did a fucking backflip and just nailed it. So the fact that he had that background and he can do that stuff instead of having to CGI it. That's why we've never been cast as Spider-Man, Max. Well, we can't do a backflip. Oh, that's why I'm not cast as any superhero. I could barely walk some days <laughs> <laughs> that's me today after yesterday i'm feeling rough but anyway uh, next uh, thor ragnarok well no we did i'm throwing it out right now my favorite we, thor i we, love this movie we completely passed over homecoming <laughs> oh oh yeah sorry my bad because we talked about backflips yeah I, um, we had to, yeah dude what a way like if you'd have asked me hey what would make a cool spider-man movie villain i would have never said the vulture never and you see i have to disagree a little bit because I've a, I just remember I always had a bit of a fondness for the character of the Vulture. So when they announced him, I was actually excited because he is a classic 60s, 70s Spider-Man villain. So I was actually glad they did the Vulture. They reinterpreted the character a bit differently because I remember in the comics he was more of a uh, wealthy businessman. This one he's more of an average guy. But Michael Keaton as the Vulture, I mean you can't you can't go wrong there. <laughs> Yeah, hats off. What a performance. Michael Keaton, it's so interesting to look at Michael Keaton's career because he started out as a comedic actor. He got Batman, and there's a backlash because people didn't think he would be serious enough. And then after Batman, he gets this whole new career as just playing, like, evil, crazy people. Yeah. So yeah. I think it worked out perfect. I love the twist, too, when he's going to prom. And he realizes Liz's dad is the vulture is some of the best acting Tom Holland oh. does in it. Oh. The amount of awkward that could be, I think, is incredible. Oh, and that part where after he has to talk to him alone, and it's like you think it's the protective dad thing, and it's like you know it, he realizes it's like so treat my daughter well, I'll show her a good time. But if you mess with us, I, I will, I will kill you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's such a well-acted part. I know there's controversy about how close Spider-Man is to Iron Man. And you know what? I, I can't fault anyone for that. If that's your thing, I mean, I can give it to you. But it doesn't bother me. Well, but I, I can't take that away from someone who does have that complaint. I think, in my opinion, the issue is the reason why we get Spider-Man as like an iron boy protege type character is because we've already done two origin movies about spider-man and they've already done you know the these introductions of spider-man that they had to go a different avenue or else they'd just be repeating themselves for like the, repeating themselves for like the third time you know what i mean yeah like even like the amazing spider-man movie they redid the origin and it touches on a lot of the same things that they touched on in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. And there was some criticism of that. If you did that a third time, it would just be like, why do we just keep redoing it? So I think that's why the origin is barely even touched on. I think that's why they make him kind of like 
a protege of Iron Man because they just had to do a different take on it or else they're just repeating themselves. And I, I understand why some people don't like that, but I myself, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. As you know, I heart, I probably have more Spider-Man comics than I have any other superhero. And I understand, I understood as a fan, I understood the need for a reinterpretation of the character to work in the MCU. Yeah. So that's well, my whole Shall we move on? Yes. All right, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, man. Uh, th- I'd say this is definitely top 10, if not top 5 Marvel. This movie is awesome. Yeah. Um, I love that they redid the formula, because before the first two Thor movies were, we have to be very proper and godlike. And this one, it's like, you want Thor fighting a fucking dragon to Led Zeppelin while he makes dumb jokes and is kind of an idiot? Hell yeah, here you go. And I love it. We live in a world... Or not only are we now on a third Thor movie, but the third one is the best one. Yeah. Easily. But we, I could not have seen this happen 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago is 2001. Fuck, I'm old. In the 90s, I could never have seen that coming. No. It just goes you to didn't show see you- that coming? <laughs> a good one there. Uh and then he gets shot. Uh, <laughs> I, it astounds me that this is the world we live in, that you get Thor Ragnarok, that's so fucking Looney Tunes bonkers out there, and it's the best one. So much so that we're getting a fourth Thor movie by the same creative team that I imagine is going to be in the same vein. Yeah, just wrapped filming, too. Love and Thunder, I saw the rap oh, yeah. picture. But yeah... I don't know, there's so much good stuff. Like I said, the Led Zeppelin of it all. Um, Korg. Korg is... <laughs> Korg steals every scene he's in. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is the collector. Oh my god, Jeff Goldblum basically playing himself as the collector. I imagine that's what, go- what goes on in his house. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk gladiator thing. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, we haven't even touched on Hela yet, because yeah. what a fucking cool villain she was. Yeah. Well, Hulk, this is easily the best Hulk movie that it's that isn't actually a Hulk movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Hela, one of the best, one of the best villains we've probably gotten from from a Mar- uh, Marvel movie. Uh, fuck, I, there's some the, the destruction of Asgard, uh, Loki. There, there is. It's just fantastic. It's, it's top Marvel. I agree. And this was the last stop on the way to Infinity War. Oh, oh. And also, I actually wanted one other highlight of it for, for me: the music. It had that such a cheesy retro sci-fi type soundtrack to it, like the original score. It was very oh, it was like, great, and like even the title card looked that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, very synth heavy. It was it's, great. It's, very like Flash Gordon for those who remember that. Oh hell yeah! So yeah, that was, and I'm glad uh, Takiti Wakiti. I'm not, probably not saying Taka his name. Right. Yeah, great guy. I I didn't even realize though some of the movies he's been in because he's also an actor too. He was in the Green Lantern movie. Oh, was he? He played like Ryan Reynolds's characters like best friend like the comedy Dude, i saw that of, once i've never seen it again i have no interest in i so i've don't think i've ever seen it the whole way through i mean thankfully he was Ryan also Ryan. ig11 in the mandalorian oh yeah oh yeah no it wasn't ig was it ig11 yeah ig11 yeah, ig88 the one okay, for empire yeah. this is ig11 okay yeah I, I got the numbers mixed up so yeah and uh what else has he been in he's he's shown up in a few things but yeah all around 
propelled him into the mainstream, and we're we're lucky for that. Yeah. All right, we got to move along here, man. This is going forever. Yeah. Uh, next, we get okay. If any, if any the big one that we've been waiting for oh, but we, since Black this pa- started. No, Black Panther. We didn't touch Black Panther yet. Uh, Bla- oh, why is this backwards? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Black Panther is listed if- backwards for some reason. Black Panther, then Infinity War. Okay. Black Panther, yeah. We have okay, Black Panther, who we saw his story start in Civil War, much like Spider-Man's. And then it was cool. I love the Wakanda world building. Yeah. And again, they just started knocking the villains out of the park here because Michael yeah. B. Jordan is Killmonger. Fucking yeah. excellent. Well, here's the thing, though. It's, it is interesting. Marvel is on a roll with the villains, but all of the really good villains end up getting killed. Yep. Although Loki, well, we'll get to the Loki of it, but Loki's not entirely dead. But yeah, Black Panther just it just such it feels like a big movie. Like you said, the Wakanda is huge. The movie touches on some social issues in a way that's not preachy. Just a great movie, and like I said, the first superhero movie to get an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture. I know we're, we shit on the awards shows, but it, that is significant to me, at least. Yeah, and fun fact, do you know grossed more in the theater than Infinity War did? It did? Yeah. I'd have, I, I'll have to check the numbers on that. That's weird, but... Yeah, 700.6 yeah. mil, 700. million for Black Panther, 678.8 8 million for Infinity War. Is that domestic or that's just domestic, right? Or is Dude, it worldwide? No, come on now. I, I I look into these things. I'll have to check those numbers and we'll get back. I'll get back to you. Yeah. You, but anyway, Black that. Panther was great. Um, look, not we obviously for the the cultural aspect of it too. This was a first huge blockbuster with a nearly all black cast. This was wild and it was awesome that this finally happened. And also, um. I don't know if we're going to segue into the next one yet. Also, admittedly, the Russo brothers making Infinity War did not realize how big Black Panther would be because his character, I mean, has a decent role in Infinity War, but... Yeah, I I don't think they could have predicted the lightning in the bottle they got with Black Panther. Oh, we should also touch on Black Panther establishes, you know, that Bucky has got his brain fixed. Yes. And next we get to Infinity War, and this is... Buck fucking wild. Holy shit. Well, this is where, you know, I know some people level a a certain amount of criticism at it, saying it lacked character development, but the character development was the 20 movies that came before it. Yeah, how much more fucking character development do you need? We have, like, 50 hours of it. We are, like, on the uh, part one season finale cliffhanger basically is what this is yeah and it is amazing you know who these characters are now this is the big fight scene if yeah. we're doing this all as one Any, movie anybody that walked into this movie i understand but anybody that walked into this movie having not seen almost every other mcu movie yeah you're not gonna understand it so go watch the other fucking movies what are you doing <laughs> Yeah. It's like you're uh, watching you're watching the season finale without watching the rest of the season. It doesn't work. <laughs> what a bleak movie this is too. Oh, I remember we I think we saw it together, right? Probably. Anyways, uh, that ending. No, no, we don't need to say spoilers. We've all seen this. It ends with the bad guy winning and half yeah, the Yeah, very world, Empire Strikes Back. The entire like half of the people are dusted 
And just that last scene of Captain America just going, oh, God. And then it ends. The whole fucking theater is just like, oh, it's just leveled. The Dude, audience. I got to say, and this is going to sound like a dick thing to say, but I'll explain. I was so happy to see Black Panther die just for the reason I'm like, okay, they're coming back. Because yeah. after how much Black Panther just made, I'm like, they're not killing him off. Yeah. I'm like, because first we see Bucky die. I'm like, oh my God, Bucky's dead. And then when I see Black Panther get dusted, I'm like, okay, we're fine here. Or uh, Spider-Man. They just got Spider-Man back. and Oh, dude, Spider-Man rips my fucking heart oh, out when that God. happens. And they say, and they do have a nice workaround where he can feel his coming because of the spider sense. Yeah. So he has like a little more reaction time to it. I never and holy shit, I never, I it never, is sad. I never actually made that connection. and that, that actually makes a lot of sense if that's what they were going for. Yeah, but just the Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. Oh my god. Oh, it's, it's the worst. Um, a lot of fun at the beginning, though, like with uh, the Black Order, like chasing them down for the stones, like on Earth for Doctor Strange, and Tony Stark having a line that would not be a joke just a few years later. I'm sorry, Earth is closed today, yeah. is what I would say during the whole pandemic when everything was locked down. And um, how about, um, uh, what did he say? Oh, what was the quote? Uh, something about Squidworth? Oh, yeah, Squidward. <laughs> what, did, what did he say? What, what, I don't remember the context of that. Uh, something like, think again, Squidward. He was just calling Ebony Moss saying he looked like yeah. Squidward. But yeah, the, the um, we basically have two parallel storylines going on where it's, you know, the Iron Man, Doctor Strange, a Spider-Man show in space, and they meet up with the Guardians. And then you have, you know, Cap, uh, Falcon, Black Widow, and, like, the other, like, refute, like, uh, fugitives, superheroes of the Civil War and Wakanda, and of course, then you have uh, Gamora and Thanos. There's a lot going on in this movie, and we haven't even gotten to what re- movie that has everything going on in it. But yeah, this movie, I just remember seeing this in theaters and thinking, I have to wait a fucking year to see oh, what yeah, happens. That was the worst. Like I was thinking, they couldn't have like released the next one. Like in the fall or something, a little bit sooner, like they did. With no, the we Matrix. had to see Captain Marvel and Ant Man and the Wasp next. Oh, that's true. Which, oh, segue Ant Man and the Wasp is the next one, right? Wait, real quick, can we talk about how, as much as I love Infinity War, that the battle in Wakanda is straight up the Battle of Naboo from Phantom Menace? Once you're blowing my mind this episode, I never thought of that, but you're actually, it's very. Oh, that's a little bit insulting to the Wakanda, people of Wakanda. I don't want to compare them to Gungan. Dude, watch them side by side. It's the same. You basically should have a Gungan going, ouch, time, right before it starts. Oh, I really don't want to think about that. That just it, seems It's scary the Battle of Naboo. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love both these things. I'm like, oh, come on, Avengers. You could have come up with your own yeah. big battle at the end. It's almost to the point of copyright infringement. Well, you have to look at it, too. I mean... Every Avengers movie ends by ripping off the the original one. First Avengers, it's an army of uh of, of fa- faceless aliens. Yeah, Age of Ultron, f- you know, ri- faceless robots. Uh, now, in I'd like to point, out they all had faces. Okay, I'm trying. That's not the right term. Um, just interchangeable, nameless. generic. What's that? Nameless. Nameless. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then. Uh, Infinity War, random army of aliens again, and then... Alien dogs. 
Yeah, alien, we had alien dogs. Then an Endgame, another army of aliens. It's like it's like giant disposable armies where you can like have a bunch of people die and they don't really matter. Still doesn't make up for ripping off Battle of Naboo. <laughs> All right, oh, moving my. on. Like you said, uh, Captain Marvel was our next one. No, 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 no. We didn't do Ant Man and the Wasp yet. That's that's next. Yeah, that's what we're doing now. I thought that was after Captain Marvel, wasn't it? No, that was after. No, that was after uh, Infinity War. Uh, okay, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, just like the other Ant Man movie, is just a lot of fun, but seems slightly inappropriate given the last movie we watched yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, this one is really—I don't think we're going to talk about too much, but yeah, it was another one. It's a fun movie. You watch it, you're feeling good about yourself. It's like, oh, this is fun, and then you get that mid-credit sequence, dude. But in the back of your mind, the whole time you have to be knowing what's going on. Like, I know. I, the I whole know, time I'm watching this, I'm thinking like, when's Thanos snapping? I, I obviously, but it—I don't. It still doesn't prepare you for, you know, Ant-Man goes into the quantum realm and then all of his friends disintegrate. And once yeah. again, the reaction to that was a very like vi- like visceral kind of like the same the way the audience reacted at the end of Infinity War. It's like except this time I think it was worse cuz we just had 2 hours of lighthearted fun and then half the world dies. And it's yeah. like, oh man. <laughs> also this movie is good cuz it introduces us to Hope's Hope becoming the Wasp. Yes. And Michelle Pfeiffer is the original Wasp, finally is introduced. Yeah. And then it also introduces, goes much more in depth with the Quantum Realm, which becomes much very important in Endgame, which we're almost there. We're yeah. almost, this is our longest episode ever. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Dude, I, you know, I've been feeling like crap today. I'm like, crap, I need to get back in like a hot shower again, and my knees are just killing me through this. Um, Next we get Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Um, I gotta say... Not the most like exciting or fun, but for personal fandom reasons, I guess you could say my favorite Stan Lee cameo. Oh yeah, well yeah, the the the, the mall rats scene. Which yeah, me- that's something like what a fun move for them to pull. Yeah. I thought that was great. I have to mention the fact that now, like Kevin Smith made a career out of referencing other things and now he is being especially marvel and now he's getting referenced in a marvel movie that i remember him posting about that online i mean great the man cries about everything but that that must have been mind-blowing for him oh i'm sure um this movie's really fun the 90s setting in it i like you kind of get that uncanny valley a little bit though with the de-aging of nick fury and colson like it something doesn't quite seem right the whole time but I don't know why this movie doesn't seem as strong as previous entries of the de-aging tech. You see, I disagree. I thought the de-age... I really didn't... The de-aging did not stand out for me. I thought it actually... I thought it looked good. I think Marvel... Maybe I just know how Samuel L. Jackson looks so much maybe, now. Maybe. That was it. But I think, Mar- I think Marvel does a great job at the digital de-aging. You know who doesn't do a great job at it? And it's weird because they're basically the same thing. Star Wars is not good at digital de-aging. Oh, well, one, digital creating for Tarkin, but then de-aging for Leia and Luke. Yeah, like, like, I love the reveal of Luke at the end of the season two of Mandalorian, but it just looked off. And it's weird that Star Wars can't really get that right, but to me, I think Marvel does it very well. Yeah. And Um, weird weird because of the fact they're both part of the Disney empire. Yeah. 
This movie's fun though. It's not my favorite. It kind of yeah. is towards my bottom, but not the bottom. It's it, it's a it's fun, but it's also, I mean, it it does set up the scrolls and gives you a little bit of history of Nick Fury. And I like Brie Larson a lot as Captain Marvel. The '90s setting is, I like it, but they go way out of the way to make the establish that it's the '90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, every, um, every scene, I do the, love. A good line payoff, and in the Winter Soldier, I think it was, Nick Fury says, last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. And we learned the person he trusted was the cat Goose. You see, uh, I have I was mixed on that. I, I, I like that one, that's weird. Uh, I just think, like, you know, whenever they broke that line in Winter Soldier, they obviously didn't know it was going to be about a cat, an alien cat. So, I don't know. But I, I do like Goose, so there's that. Uh, I had. Do oh, you yeah. Goose does appearances at cons? No, I did not know that. Yeah, you can go meet Goose. I should do that. But yeah, I, I wanted to just touch upon again, like the the '90s stuff got a bit a bit on the nose. I mean, every scene had something. She had the Nine Inch Nails shirt. There was the Smashing Pumpkins poster in the background. To the fact that, and well, I like I, I I admit having her kick ass to that No Doubt song. Actually, I like that a lot, but. Something oh yeah, like, you know I'm a big ska guy. You know I was yeah, down. For that. Oh, oh yeah, you, you and your fucking ska. Yeah, but it, it, the '90s stuff was hit and miss for me. I'm interested to see what they do in the sequel, which is the Marvels. That's going to feature her and Ms. Marvel. So yeah, Kamala Khan. Which I imagine, though, based on that, it's going to be in present day. So I'd like to see what happens with that. But Captain Marvel, you know, good entry, but maybe not the strongest. Yeah, it's there. And and another case of two Captain Marvel being you know incredibly overpowered. Oh my god, yeah. But then uh, we do get Ronan popping back up, but I won't oh, lie, yeah. he doesn't feel very Ronan to me. Well, he was, yeah, he. I don't know. Before Ronan, he was a fanatic, I guess, but yeah, still. And Ronan was never really particularly um, interesting in the first Guardians, anyways. Yeah. So next, here it is: the big Endgame. one, the culmination Endgame. of all this stuff. I, I've probably this is probably. I say yeah, you're not going to intro the movie. What movie no, do you I, mean? I, no, I, we're getting there. But I just want to start this off by saying, this is probably my most watched three hour long movie in my movie watching. What's history. your options? This or the fucking Hobbit movies? Yeah, I'm going with this. True or Gone with the Wind, and who the fuck wants to watch that? <laughs> Anyways, Avengers. Listen, there's only one return, and it ain't of the king. It's okay. That's all. Avengers Endgame. Here we are. Ten years of filmmaking interconnected to this interconnected shared universe, and we get this monster of a movie. And oddly enough, I'd say for the good first half of it, it is a depressing character study almost. Oh, yeah. I think it's so smart how we talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp, what happens to Scott Lang, because we get a fresh set of eyes seeing all this. So, like, yeah. he's really experiencing it for the first time, and you see the impact it's had. Like, you see the memorial of for the vanished and things like that, and you have that gut-wrenching moment where he meets his daughter for the first time in years, and she's grown, and oh my god, this movie's sad. And this this movie, I think, especially takes on a uh, newfound uh, meaning in uh, a post-COVID world. 
Yeah, a little bit. I can see that. I mean, because they experienced, you know, this massive global just of event that so many lives were lost. I feel like it take it, you could look at it differently now, and it, it plays out in a different in a different way. But this is a massive movie. This is like I I don't see how you get bigger than this. All I have to say about this is that final battle. Oh, real quick before we get there, because that's obviously my highlight as well. Do you mind if we hit a few other things on the way? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's such a bittersweet thing that Tony Stark has finally found peace and a family and all that stuff. Like his daughter Morgan, him and Pepper are just living like kind of out in the woods. Like he seems for the first time kind of at peace. Yeah, and it came during such like a brutal, after depressing, dark time. Yeah, and so it's like. Of course, he doesn't want that stuff to have happened, but if that didn't happen, he won't be where it is. Creates like a moral dilemma where he's like, do I want to set the world back? Things like that. And I think it's worth noting, too, that scene in the kitchen where he was looking at the picture of him and Peter Parker. Yeah, that's like, sad I, as hell. I think I think Peter Parker was the first moment where it's like he wanted to be a father. Yeah. Um, and I'll also, say my biggest dislike for this movie probably is Hulk. I don't like sentient normal Hulk. I see. I I I actually it, once again our differences of opinion. I actually liked Smart Hulk a lot. I don't know why. After so many movies of him being like this mindless brute, I thought it was kind of amusing to see him like. If you first see him, he's wearing a cardigan and glasses. Uh, well, it's fun. I like it, but like I, you know, I love the Hulk. Yeah, I want my mindless brute. Well, it just, I just think of. I think I, my, I probably shared this with you. That meme where it's like you know, metal singers on stage and then metal singers off stage, and one shows the Hulk fully raging out in Hulk mode, and for you know metal singers on stage, and then for metal singers off stage, it shows the Hulk with the glasses and the cardigan. Yeah, I've done my time in the music stuff. That sounds right for most of the people I know. But I don't know. I I, was good. I liked Smart Hulk a lot. I I do agree. It would have been nice to see him a bit more, because uh, he he did he feature a lot in that final battle, or was he basically out of it because of the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet? No, he's featured in it. Um, He he fights because, remember, there's a part where Ant-Man goes giant man and saves Hulk, War Machine, and Rocket. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, like, I I like Smart Hulk, but I do understand that, you know, you you always want a little bit of that, you know, raging Hulk. Now, where I talked about how humor in the wrong places infuriated me earlier in a few examples, like the Pac-Man and the... Again, driving through Sokovia, talking about yeah. the dining room. Um, this one I thought did it well because it's they're already in this bleak world. It never seemed too over the top or too hey, let's just forget about what we're dealing with. Yeah. But the Ant Man when they're doing the time heist, I guess is what we'd call it. Yeah. I always thought of your ass as America's ass, sir. Never got to that for me. That seemed honestly a realistic thing you could still be joking about in this situation. Yeah. So that never got me, and I think that all that stuff was hilarious. I think, I just think the Russo brothers just, I don't know, I want to, I'm interested to see, seeing what they do now that I'm assuming they're done with Marvel movies, because I think they had a really good handle on all the material they did, you know, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and now 
Infinity War and Endgame. They've pro- I think yeah, they've directed more MCU movies now than anybody else. And it's so weird. Do you, do you know their background? Not really, no. Well, they they they're before Winter Soldier. They're mostly known for directing episodes of the TV show Community. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did I did and know then, that. And then I think the one movie they directed before Winter Winter Soldier was that movie You, Me, and Dupree. Oh, I forgot about that movie. Who, how do you go, I mean, Community, I almost understand, because that show, I think, had a lot of, like, geek references and whatnot. But I think it's because they can do a big thing with an ensemble cast, is what that proves for them. Like, they handled, like... All of their Marvel movies have been fantastic. They well done. Just they are great filmmakers, and I, I'm really interested to see where they go from there. Because, like I said, I, I'm assuming after you do Endgame, you can't really. I don't think you could go anywhere else in terms. I of think they the come Marvel back movies. for whatever the last one ends up being. I bet we see them back for that. Last, there's not going to be a last Marvel movie. I either. think there will be. Eventually, they're going to want Iron Man and Cap back, and they're going to reboot it. I'm not saying anytime soon. We'll be I'm dead. just talking like 20 years from now. Okay, we won't be dead, but we'll be old. Uh, ah, yeah. we might be. Who knows? <laughs> game. Uh, now that final battle is everything I've wanted. Sometimes I will just put on that battle yeah. and just chill out for a few minutes and, and watch that, that. And that end battle is a perfect example of callbacks being done insanely well. Like whenever Cap is facing down the giant army, and you just hear the on your left. Yeah, the that's a good example. Another one's the Ant Man's van, the horn here and that during all that going yeah. on. Like and they do fit a lot of things. Like that, if you've watched this, that you pick up on in that end. And then you get also some of these payoffs. Like I remember when seeing Avengers Age of Ultron at the end of the movie, you have Cap and he's like Avengers, and they come off before he could say assemble. They never filmed him saying the word assemble. There's no version it, of that because until Josh, now. Yeah, well, and, and, and I meant an Age of Ultron. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Because Joss Whedon knew if he filmed that, Marvel at the time with how they were probably would have stuck it in there. But it works because we get to this, when he finally does get, get to it in this part, and he's just like, Avengers, assemble. It is worth it. We Oh, it, when he catches Mjolnir too. So oh, yeah. fucking good. Yeah, finally got him. Yeah, they... Everything is paid off insanely well in this. Like we thought, like we thought, we wanted to see him cap say Avengers Assemble and Ultron. No, I'm we. They definitely were smart for saving it for this. And you have that massive army of superheroes, Wakanda people from Wakanda, uh, sorcerers. It is just insane, and it's, it's so cool. I love this fight. Um, obviously, we lose Tony. Yeah, which I was sad about, but once again, they did it in such a way that it made sense, and I was okay with it. His arc. There's a difference between being sad about it because that's the goal. You should be sad if they did their job right, but then demanding they bring it back. I've never been demanding they bring him back. I was sad in the perfect way. I'm like, this makes sense for the story. Bravo, good job. And also, they kind of pay off something earlier. um, Uh. I think it was in yeah first Avengers, you know Tony Stark. You're not the one to make the big sacrifice for the greater good, and he does. Oh yeah, 
And, Which they even paid off in that first Avengers a little bit. Yeah. They really do here. Yeah. And even and once again, you get things that you don't think they shouldn't work, but they do. Like when when uh, Thanos is like, I am inevitable. And then Tony Stark is just like, and I am Iron Man. That should be cheesy, but it's not. It works insanely well. It brings everything full circle back to the ending of that first Iron Man movie. Oh, yeah. His last line in the first movie is his last line. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I, they, I, they, someone pointed out, and after he snaps away Thanos' army and he's dying, he doesn't say anything. He, no. Like, and that is just, it's like half of his body is burnt. <laughs> then you have Pepper saying, you know, it's okay, Tony. You can rest now. And then Peter Parker just losing his shit, calling him Tony. For the first time, not Mister, yeah, not Mister Stark, and him crying like, "Oh my god!" That is where that that is the payoff to the Spider Man as Iron Man's protege. Oh, for sure, it's it's such a good movie. I gotta ask you the question because I get into this debate with people: Infinity War or Endgame? Endgame. Me too. Okay, you're on my I side. It, I know I love both of them, but I think I do like Endgame more. Endgame. It's weird because I think. Infinity War is the more action-oriented one, but Endgame is such a big emo- emotional payoff. Like, it's hard to separate the two movies because I, I like the watch. If you have the time watching them back to back, which will take you five and a half hours, five and a half or four and a half, three, no, no, uh, five, and, five half. and a half. Yeah, okay. Infinity War is two and a half hours long. Endgame is three hours, and also. Kudos to them for having the balls to release a three-hour superhero movie because usually studios worry about length because the longer the movie, the less the less uh, showings you could have in theaters. But obviously, that didn't affect this at all. No, they knew this was going to be me and you were on the news for this. Remember? Oh yeah, that really bad picture of me where I like <laughs> like I have like five chins. That was not a flattering picture. Oh, I guess we're not going to post that on the Instagram. I was going to say I can send that to you, but I guess not. Uh, maybe I uh, said. Yeah, but we were on the news for waiting in line to see Endgame for opening night. I, I, we'll talk. I, I have an idea for that. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, that's Endgame, and next we just have one more movie. One more, movie. and that's Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, aka Endgame, the bonus scene. Yeah, that was. Say, I've mentioned this before. Spider-Man: Far From Home for me, and I, I love the movie. It's one of my favorite Spider-Man movies, but it's like the end credits movie to end game. It's like the aftermath of it. And I think it does a good job. We talked about this earlier because you felt that people didn't talk about what happened to Tony Stark enough after end game. And I think this is the movie where they address that majorly. I agree with that, but I still agree. That's one or two people, not the world. Like they seem to be doing for cap. Well, they had that scene where Spider-Man's swinging around and there's that big painting of him on the side of the building. Yeah, for all I know, Spider-Man painted that. I don't think he did, but... I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, home. dude. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterio. Holy shit. So good. First, okay, we finally get Mysterio in a Spider-Man movie. Mysterio, Mysterio has always been one of my... Fi- fa- nah, one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. And the fact that it took them five movies to get to, like, hey, here's a villain whose superpower is literally special effects, and we're just now putting him in a movie? He, 
he was he should have been an obvious villain twenty years ago. But I agree. But I'm glad they waited till now because I'm trying to yeah. picture how. Remember how they used to not like making characters look like their comic yeah. book versions. I'm just picturing what they do with Mysterio. Well, I'm so glad there, they waited. There, there was some storyboard art from um, Sam Raimi's n- never uh, never made Spider Man Four, and there's was he a, supposed to be Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah, they 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 drew him to look like Bruce Campbell. They they're basically going to have like a montage at the beginning of the movie of him wrapping up of him catching various criminals and like in the small parts, none of them as major villains. And yeah, it, Bruce Campbell was going to play Mysterio. Man, I I take back everything I said because I would kill for a Bruce Campbell Mysterio. Now, on the context of that, he wouldn't be in the movie very long. It'd basically be like his, his chemistry. Yeah, but. Anything with Bruce Campbell, I'm down for. And Bruce Campbell's Mysterio. Imagine them taking that fishbowl, fishbowl off of his head. And you see Bruce Campbell. That would have been awesome. Be incredible. Um, and that's it. After uh, Far From Home, we got which we're not going to talk about because we did full episodes yeah. dedicated. We got One Division and Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then two days after release, if I release this on time, there's a two hour episode. This is going to kill me. Um, we're gonna have Loki. We have Black Widow, Shang Chi, and Eternals coming out. So oh, yeah, this, it's a this, good time to be a fan of the MCU. Yeah, yeah finally, movies. It looks like big movies are gonna be opening up again. You know, in the uh, we're almost in the post COVID world, at least in in, the, in this country. Other places aren't doing so well, but things are getting a little bit more normal, normal here. And Marvel's release schedule is like, man, that's like it's gonna be insane. Black Widow is in July. We're uh, seeing that in theaters, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay, paying good. thirty. I'm not paying thirty dollars for Disney at Premier Access. Fuck that. Well, I haven't Sorry. been to a Marvel movie in theaters with you for over a year, and it's yeah. killing me. Yeah, that's gonna be a. That's gonna. We're probably gonna have to, have to do. We'll talk about. We're gonna do a whole episode just about that. But anyways, um, Black Widow is August. No, the Black Widow is July. Then August. September is Shang Chi. September, October, November is Eternals, and then December, I think around Christmas time, is Spider-Man, uh, whatever no way home. it's called, No Way Home. So we're getting basically a Marvel movie every other month for the rest of this year, because I don't think they can delay anything anymore without messing up the whole time. Everything. Yeah. And then I think next year and the year after that, we're getting four, maybe five Marvel movies a year. And that's not including the Sony Spider-Verse MCU adjacent stuff. So that's because we're not including that except for Venom. Venom's a national treasure. Venom. Venom. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's, that's all I got. I do think we owe a bit of thanks to Godzilla versus Kong for opening the theaters back up pretty much. Yeah. Once again, God's Godzilla versus Kong. Say, helped saved mo- movie theaters. It, f- it wasn't you, Tenant. Fuck you. It was, <laughs> it was big lizard, a giant monkey fight. Saved yep. cinemas, not time traveling uh, mumble nonsense. Exactly. All, all right, right. That's so, yeah. all I got because I'm yeah. dying here, dude. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> Let, well, you know, you, everyone, Greg, I know you usually do your spiel, but. We're, t- we're tired. Everybody, you know the other shows. Listen to Throbbing with Horror. Find us on social media. Uh, promote the show. Give us fives, likes, stuff like that. Tell your friends. Tell your children. Listen to the show. Uh, but yeah, we're, that's it for today. This is our longest episode ever. Uh, I'm going to go take a nap. You're probably going to go take a shower. And 
This has been Geek Positive, the special 25th episode MCU retrospective. I am, as always, Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. All right. Excelsior. <laughs>